This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. Hello and welcome to Health and Living with me, Lim Su. And oral cancer is one of the most treatable cancers if it is detected and treated early. But with its signs and symptoms easily mistaken for other conditions, how can we improve diagnosis of oral cancer? So what if I told you that we could have an app for that? So joining me to share more about the Mimosa app and how it will be tested in the community setting is Professor Dr. Cheong Sok Ching, Deputy Chief Scientific Officer with Cancer. Research Malaysia. Thank you so much for joining me today, Prof. Thank you, Suen. Thank you for having me. Now, before we begin, Prof, I must mention that, you know, I, I saw that you recently won the Senior Scientist category for the 8th Underwriters Laboratories ASEAN US Science Prize for Women um, for your work on the Mimosa app. I must congratulate you first for that. Um, what was that like for you to receive that acknowledgement? Thank you very much, uh, Suen. Uh, it was a great honour and uh, particularly because the ASEAN US uh, Science Prize for Women uh, focused particularly on highlighting uh, the success of women scientists mm-hmm. uh, with the aim of inspiring more women, uh, young women to come into science and technology uh, to, to change the world, basically, and to create an impact for the community that they live in. Mm. And, you know, it's interesting that we are talking about an, an app potentially for diagnosing cancer early because that's always been one of the challenges that we see um, in the landscape of cancer care, right? The diagnosis aspect, we're still trailing behind with a lot of cancers. Um, when we look at reports released by the MOH, a lot of cancers are still diagnosed late, which then impacts um, patients' outcome. And I do want to get into the app a bit later on, but first, you know, Prof, oral cancer is not something that we talk about very often in society. It's not one of the more common cancers that we hear um, people discussing. So why is it one of the areas of focus for Cancer Research Malaysia? So oral cancer basically just means uh, cancer within the oral cavity. Uh, And in the layman terms, um, it's typically referred to mouth cancer. And uh, this cancer... um, uh, basically occurs in the soft tissues of the mouth. So, for example, the tongue, uh, the cheek, uh, the gum, the floor of the mouth and your palate, right? Or your lelangit. Mm-hmm. So, um, the reason why uh, it is not as um, kind of a famous cancer compared to cancers like probably breast cancer or prostate mm-hmm. cancer is because, uh, like you say, it is uh, not as common. But this is also uh, because um, there are not that many champions talking about oral cancer. So uh, we don't have an Angelina Jolie, for example, of oral cancer. Mm-hmm. And there are two reasons for that. The first reason is um, most patients do not survive long enough to talk about it. And secondly, because um, obviously it affects the oral cavity and the mouth, um, it's really hard to talk after you have the cancer and Mm. um, because of the treatment and because patient comes late, um, the treatment uh, really affects the patient in terms of um, cosmetic-wise and also functionality. So therefore, uh, patients usually uh, who suffer from oral cancer shy away uh, from the public. Mm. What is that burden of oral cancer in Malaysia? You know, why is it a public health concern? So, uh, when we talk about the uh, burden of cancer, we talk about it in several ways, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, first of all, uh, how frequently, you know, do you see people with that cancer? 
secondly, you talk about um, how uh, detrimental it is in terms of the survival. Mm-hmm. And thirdly, we talk about the economic impact, like what happens to these people even if they survive the cancer. So talking about the numbers, um, the number of patients um, diagnosed uh, throughout the world uh, with oral cancer is about 350,000. Mm-hmm. Uh, majority of this are going to be from the Asian uh, continent, including Malaysia. And in Malaysia itself, uh, every day about two patients are diagnosed. So we have wow. between um, six, 600 to 800 patients per year. In terms of the uh, survival uh, burden, unfortunately, um, patients who are diagnosed with oral cancer currently uh, do not survive very well. So one of one out of two patients will actually succumb to the disease within the two years from diagnosis. One of the reasons for this is because um, patients uh, come in late and mm-hmm. they actually are in late stage already. And that's the reason why um, we have focused uh, using Mimosa on mm-hmm. the early detection of oral cancer. So thirdly, would be in terms of burden, would be um, the the economic impact. So as I mentioned, um, patients with oral cancer, basically the cancer affects their functionality, the ability mm-hmm. to speak. So for example, if a banker or a teacher was diagnosed with tongue cancer and um, these individuals have to undergo surgery, mm-hmm. then it's really hard for them to um, speak. Yeah, And uh, I mean, some of them recover through therapy, but uh, Basically, this affects the ability for the person to continue working, for example. yeah. Hmm. And if they need therapy, that takes time as well, right? So that means time off work and time um, not earning a wage. That's right. And, and actually, that, that, um, that is actually extended sometimes also to family members, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, when a family member uh, has cancer, then the other family members actually also get affected in terms of having to care for the patient. Mm. Prof, you mentioned that one in two succumb to the disease because um, it's diagnosed late um, very often here in Malaysia, right? Mm. But if there is early detection, if they can get access to treatment, what actually does the prognosis look like for most patients? So the prognosis is good if we can get it very early uh, at stage one. And mm-hmm. in fact, uh, there are there is a huge opportunity to detect it even before uh, it is cancerous. So... Mm. Oral cancer can be preceded by what we call oral potentially malignant disorders. And the keyword here is potentially. So that means there are lesions in the mouth that could have a risk of becoming cancer over time. But uh, not all of them would have this um, propensity to become oral cancer. And once an individual is diagnosed with the oral potentially malignant disorders, or in short, OPMD, then the patient needs to be followed up um, over time uh, for life, yeah. Hmm. So these lesions, um, sorry, so these OPMDs are sort of symptoms of oral cancers, is that right? Or, or, pre, or pre-symptoms even? So it's pre-symptoms um, and uh, not everybody who has OPMD will eventually get cancer, mm-hmm. but uh, about 4% of these people with OPMD will get cancer. So if we are able to detect that at the OPMD level, so either the lesion gets removed and the risk goes down, or if the lesion is not serious, then the patient just needs to be followed up regularly. 
And if a patient is diagnosed with early stage um, cancer, such as stage 1, then the prognosis, as you were asking, is good, where 80 to 90% of these patients uh, will definitely uh, survive the five-year survival. So we usually talk about uh, cancer in terms of five-year survival rate. Mm -hmm. So if you detect it at the early stage, the five-year survival rate for oral cancer is between 80 to 90%. But if you detect it at a very terminal stage or late stage or stage four, then the prognosis um, is, is not great. And uh, then the survival rates drops to like 20%, mm. yeah, five-year survival rate. Mm. Let's briefly talk a bit about the symptoms, right? What are some visible symptoms that usually um, people find or people look out for when it comes to oral cancer? So, um, like many cancers, I think um, people come late because the symptoms can be quite subtle sometimes and also confused with, you know, the regular things that we see. So, mm -hmm. one of the things that... Um, uh, people worry about when I say these signs and symptoms is that uh, you have an ulcer. Mm. But the, the key point is this ulcer is um, doesn't heal. doesn't heal for, let's say, more than two weeks. And that's when you should go and see a, a doctor or a, a dentist about the ulcer. So there are other um, signs and symptoms. Um, for example, uh, if the cancer's on the gum then um, there would be unexplained um, kind of loose uh, tooth. Mm. Yeah, that uh, if you go to your dentist, your dentist may be able to spot uh, something. Mm. Yeah. So, I mean, these kind of symptoms sound like, I mean, uh, somebody can have a loose tooth. It doesn't mean you have cancer, but mm -hmm. yeah, just watch out uh, for it and your doctor or your dentist will be able uh, to help you diagnose any cancers if there are. Mm. So it's not to be alarmist, but also not to just brush off these symptoms, right? right? Yes, they're quite common, but if it persists, you know, if it stays on for quite a while, then it's best to at least see a doctor or yeah. see a GP or a dentist to make sure that it's nothing too serious. Yeah, be aware yeah, of the conditions and the changes yeah, that mm. you see. All right, let's go for a quick break now, Prof Chong, and, and continue this discussion when we come back. And then after that, you know, I do want to dive into the Mimosa app because that's quite interesting that an app could potentially pluck the gaps that we are currently seeing. On the show with me today is Professor Dr. Chong Sok Ching, Deputy Chief Scientific Officer with Cancer Research Malaysia. And we are discussing how we're tackling oral cancer and in particular zooming into the app that Prof and her team have been developing. We'll be right back on Health and Living, BFM 89.9. Welcome back to Health and Living with me, Lim Soo An. In the studio with me today is Professor Dr. Cheong Sok Ching, Deputy Chief Scientific Officer with Cancer Research Malaysia. And she is joining me today to discuss the Mimosa app, which is something that has been in development um, by her and her team. And it's an app that is hopefully that hopefully can help us to um, detect oral cancers at an earlier stage. Um, because like before the break, Prof was sharing how um, a lot of oral cancers are detected late in Malaysia um, and when you detect it late your five-year survival rate could drop to almost 20% compared to when you detect it early in stage one and your five-year survival rate could be about 80 to 90% and that's quite a big difference. So let's talk about this app, um, Prof. You know, you and your team developed it to tackle um, specifically, I understand, early detection of oral cancer. Tell me more about how the app works and what gaps you're trying to plug. 
So uh, the app is called Mimosa, and Mimosa stands for Mobile Mouth Screening Anywhere. And it's an app that we developed uh, because we saw a need in, in terms of uh, teleconsultation. So what the app does is that the app uh, enables a person using it to capture the image of uh, any suspicious uh, changes that you see in the mouth. For example, an ulcer or a white patch that, you know, when you rub doesn't come off or anything that you notice mm -hmm. in terms of the changes in, in your oral cavity. And uh, following that, uh, the app also allows the user to answer a few questions that could um, help the clinician um, diagnose or at least uh, figure out actually whether the changes in your mouth or the lesion in your mouth uh, is something to worry about. And um, the app then allows the user to communicate with a specialist that is off-site or far away or mm -hmm. you know in your regular clinic and there's a chat function in order for the patient now to ask questions and for the clinician to advise and say, you should come in now or uh, please send me some images, you know, after a week and let me have a look again to see whether there are any changes. So that's what the app does. Um, now we are developing a new feature for mm -hmm. the app, which is AI-driven. And actually that was the subject of the ASEAN US Science Prize for Women, where uh, we're developing an algorithm together with our collaborators in University Malaya in order to be able to automatically um, identify lesions that are at high risk. And that's uh, currently what we are doing. Hmm. So um, someone who's using the app would upload a photo would, which would then be analysed by the AI, is that right? Yeah, that's uh, the AI component of it. Yeah. Hmm. So then where would the, the clinician come in? Is that uh, with, with the AI in the picture? So at the moment, uh, as I mentioned, we are still developing the AI algorithm. So at this point, uh, Mimosa is actually being already used in the clinic mm -hmm. uh, in the University Malaya uh, dental faculty. And what the th that function of the Mimosa does is that it enables patients to be able to uh, receive teleconsultation at the comfort of their home and be able to communicate with their specialists if they are worried about something and some changes and their appointments are not due yet. And this has been a really important feature during the COVID-19 pandemic. And mm. in fact, uh, our clinicians and us, we developed this and actually launched it during the COVID pandemic when the clinics were closed and a lot of our clinicians were first-liners and uh, patients were also quite scared to come mm -hmm. into the clinic. So this uh, was really important because... Uh, if there's any changes, um, we have to catch it early. And the teleconsultation tool was very, very helpful uh, for that purpose. Mm. In the, I mean, this was, I guess, the silver lining of the pandemic, isn't it? It provided a perfect opportunity for you to roll out the app to clinicians and to patients. Um, what about the feedback from people, from the patient's perspective? You know, were people open to the idea of using a mobile app um, for, tele, uh, for, for this sort of cancer follow-ups and diagnosis? I think um, it depends on the season, right? Like what you say. So during the pandemic, um, I think uh, people see it as really a good option. Mm -hmm. And uh, we also took the opportunity, um, I mean, Cancer Research Malaysia is into research. We took the opportunity to conduct some research uh, and uh, questionnaires and surveys to be able to understand uh, what our patient um, want and thought about uh, Mimosa. 
And um, actually, 100% of the patients who were surveyed uh, wanted the app to be an option for them mm-hmm. in their care. Meaning, um, when they want to see their clinicians, mm-hmm. then they don't mind coming in, but uh, they would like the option of Mimosa to be able to give them this option in case they couldn't come or in case there was an emergency and there were changes in their mouth before their appointment. Mm-hmm. They would like to have the two readily available for them. Mm. So it's a complementary tool to their current um, healthcare yeah. appointments, right? That's right. I mean, it's not replacing uh, the specialist in any way. Yeah. Mm. Now, I understand that your team will be um, is planning to test Mimosa in the community setting. Tell me more about that. How will it be rolled out? You know, what will it look like then compared to what it is now? Yeah. So uh, what I've described to you um, where Mimosa has been used in University Malaya mm-hmm. is very much a follow-up tool. So these are the patients, as I mentioned, they already have OPMD or they already have received definitive treatment for mm-hmm. their oral cancer. But these patients still need to come back for follow-up every month, every three months uh, for life. And um, so therefore, Mimosa acts really for existing patients, right, as a follow-up tool. So they can use it after already being diagnosed and treated. So what we hope to do in the community really is to um, enable early detection uh, for anyone, anywhere. So uh, that's what we are trying to achieve with the 12 Malaysian plan and with the uh, oral health plan where all Malaysians have uh, equitable access to healthcare, right? Um, but we know today that uh, that's actually um, very uh, quite difficult in some places. So, for example, um, if somebody has something uh, worrying about mm-hmm. their oral cavity, they may think about going to the dentist. But uh, in a state like Sarawak, um, one that pu- public dental clinic will serve 83 thousand people compared to let's say in Selangor where one public dental clinic will serve 16,000 people Mm -hmm. and the state of Sarawak for example is very huge right and therefore getting to a public dental clinic may not be that easy it's the access aspect as well yeah and therefore um, we had this idea uh, how might might we actually use uh, telecommunication right and teleconsultation in order to make sure that uh, people can have access to early detection just using a very simple tool such mm-hmm. as your mobile phone. Um, and currently, we know that the usage of smartphones in Malaysia is very high mm-hmm. and uh, our internet penetration um, is good. Uh, and I think many digital transformation plans um, in the country is trying to even make that better. So therefore, um, that's what we are trying to do. We want to be able to put early detection in the hands of the community where Mimosa can actually be used to uh, take images and uh, villagers, you know, no matter how remote they are, could actually receive a preliminary diagnosis to say you should really come to the referral centres or where the hospitals, where there are specialists to really give you a definitive diagnosis. Mm. And in the state of Sarawak, um, basically there are only uh, four hospitals where there are specialists who will be able to um, do this uh, diagnosis. And being able to get a preliminary diagnosis for people living in the remote area Mm -hmm. means that um, they have a higher chance of uh, making sure they... um, not missed if they have any lesions, mm-hmm. right, that needs attention. And secondly, they do not make a wasted 
trip if it was something that was um, not something to be worried about. Yeah. Could you elaborate more on how you could, how how do you plan to make that connection between someone who has um, an OBMD um, and and is seen as higher risk, right? How do you want to how would you, how would you ensure that that person then is connected to a specialist does get to see that specialist? Yeah, that's where our partners uh, come in. So uh, we partner closely with the Ministry of Health. Mm-hmm. And we've re- already received approval from the State Department in order to do this in Sarawak. And um, currently, we our plan is to put Mimosa in the hands of community volunteers. Mm-hmm. Um, and we have this group of people, and they're called My Champions under the Ministry of Health. So this could be people who are already looking after the health or non-communicable diseases um, of their own community. So... Currently, they may already take blood pressure or look at the blood glucose levels of their community. Mm-hmm. And we hope um, that we'll be able to leverage on these community healthcare volunteers in order to teach their community how to do mouth self-examination to see whether there are any changes in their mouth. And if they detect the changes in their mouth, they can approach this My Champions group who will have Mimosa and take an image and so that this image then now gets sent to either the closest uh, dental clinic mm-hmm. or the specialist yeah, to be able to advise the community volunteers to say you should get your community um, individual in order to come to the clinic quickly. Mm, yeah. All right. So then your next, um, your plan, if everything, if everything goes to plan, your target population is Sarawak at the moment. Yes. That's that's quite an interesting choice because you've sort of that that really when we talk about um, access to healthcare, it's always East Malaysia is one of the most glaring ones, right? And Sarawak in particular, it's such a large geographical space. Yeah. Um, like you said, Prof, it's the lack of number of facilities and then people having to travel days sometimes um, yes, right. for a trip that may not even happen in, in, in some cases that we've heard. Um, do you have any concerns about community acceptance of the app, especially in more rural areas? That's a very good question and something that we, we um, it's really um, top of mind in terms of us uh, coming up with the project. So with the project, uh, we will need to really understand um, as we develop the app further, uh, we will need to include patients uh, in the development process mm-hmm. and really to also understand what are the requirements of the app in terms of the ICT requirement, right? Um, and in terms of acceptance, uh, that's something that uh, we really have to look out for. Uh, but like you mentioned, uh, the silver lining of the COVID-19 pandemic means that people are already uh, already a little bit more sensitized to the use of smartphones in terms of looking after their health with mm. mysogetra, um, etc. So we think that it will be uh, people would be open, but we still need to uh, make sure we study that properly in order to be able to target the populations that are most at risk and who needs the app, you know, the most. Mm. Tentatively, when do you plan to roll it out to Sarawak? Uh, currently, we are waiting to receive funding from the Ministry of Science, Technology and Innovation. Mm-hmm. And um, we will still need to uh, ensure that the app, as I mentioned, uh, fulfill the requirements um, of the community that we are serving. 
and uh, the testing would be um, sometime uh, next year, probably after Q2 uh, next year. Mm, all right. So when it is rolled out, then, you know, what sort of um, results or indicators would you be looking for to see whether something like this could be rolled out further nationwide? Uh, that's really a good question. We hope that uh, Sarawak would be our case study because mm-hmm. even though we always think of Sabah and Sarawak being the most remote areas, but we've actually done a study in Selangor, actually, mm-hmm. uh, in, in a village just outside Klang, mm-hmm. just outside Banting. And um, even though it's neighbouring the urban um, areas, mm-hmm. but even with our buses from the Ministry of Health going in to do the screening and dental work, it's actually quite difficult to get in already mm. to these areas. So therefore, uh, we don't think that Mimosa will only be useful in Sabah and Sarawak and therefore it's quite important for us to make a case uh, out of this in order to be able to see how we can implement that um, wide, wide, in a wider population. And we'll be looking at things like um, feasibility, uh, acceptance, as you men- mentioned, whether the community is going to be able to accept it and whether the Ministry of Health um, community volunteers will be actually able to roll this uh, out. Mm. Yeah. Mm. All right. Um, and and um, on, on top of today's topic, right, I want to talk about something else which I find very interesting, which is the uh, topic of vaccines. Because I understand um, from past discussions, um, from past shows that when we've had you on, is that Cancer Research Malaysia has also been doing research into an oral cancer vaccine. Um, tell me more about what the development with that has been like, you know, and, and, and how, um, where are we now with it? Um. With the vaccine, uh, basically, we are looking at the therapy of it, right? When we were talking about mimosa, we talk about early detection. And Mm -hmm. therefore, the two are very important because once you detect the cancers early or these lesions early, then Mm -hmm. what do you do with the patient? You have to give them something. And that's where the the, the oral cancer vaccine comes on. So uh, in Cancer Research Malaysia, we were able to identify cancer antigens, Mm cancer-associated antigens, which we, we then made into the vaccine. Mm. So that's how the vaccine works. The vaccine is trained in order to identify specific beacons or proteins that are in the cancer cells and therefore uh, activates the immune system to attack these uh, cancer cells with uh, the cancer proteins. Uh, we have gone quite far in terms of the vaccine development. Uh, we've demonstrated that together with an approved immunotherapy, mm-hmm. um, it really reduces or inhibits the growth of cancer by close to 100% at 97% in cancer models. And because of that, we were able to now um, work with a biotech company in order to scale up the production Mm -hmm. of the vaccine so that we can now embark on the first in-human trials. So this is the first uh, trial Mm in-human to demonstrate that the vaccine is safe. And then following that, it will be the second phase showing that uh, actually we can control the the tumour growth. Uh, We are now actually um, focusing on raising funds Mm -hmm. uh, in order for us to be able to do the phase one trial here in Malaysia. And we've already lined up our partners uh, with Ministry of Health who is able to do this first in-man studies um, with, with us. So therefore, uh, uh, you know, we are we we're really looking for funds in order to be able to move 
and advance further. Mm. So, in, if if I could try and understand how the vaccine works, this would be given, um, you know, if once the tri- with the trials and all that, this would be given to people who are at higher risk of developing oral cancer. Is that right? Uh, this one is actually a therapeutic oh, vaccine. Uh, sorry, okay, yeah, right. and not a preventative vaccine. Uh, which I think most people think about vaccines like COVID and vaccine. As preventative. Exactly. So, uh, uh, but this is a therapeutic vaccine, which means that uh, the patient must have already got cancer Mm. uh, before the vaccine is given. Um, And uh, we will, the target population really is uh, head and neck cancer patients, oral cancer patients who have been treated and actually they have recurrent disease, yeah, recurrent or metastatic disease. Mm, all right, that does sound very interesting. It sounds very promising. You know, hopefully you do, um, you are able to get the funding that's needed to push this forward because it will be such a game changer, isn't it? Alongside right. early detection. I mean, the whole idea of um, improving the landscape of cancer care is to catch all these cancers early because in a lot of cases, we can't completely prevent them. So we need to do what we can to catch them early and treat them early. Um, for, out of curiosity, Prof, uh, if say if someone wants to use the Mimosa app, right, can anyone access it? Why can they find? Or, or sort of, does it have to be uh, through specific programs? So currently, it will be uh, through specific programs. Hopefully, you know, when we finish the study in Sarawak uh, and the um, AI is ready to be rolled out in uh, kind of more prime time uh, and widely. Uh, we will consider, uh, you know, more uh, general use of mm. mimosa. Yeah. So what we need to really do is to ensure that um, when we detect cancers early, there's a flip side to that, right? Uh, you don't want to create a panic where, you know, like uh, anybody who sees something in their mouth, change of colour and then suddenly decides to turn up in the specialist clinic. And as mm. I mentioned uh, Malaysia, like uh, many low- and middle-income countries, uh, we don't have that many specialists. Mm. And therefore, we cannot um, create the situation where actually now there's so many people go to the specialist clinic and looking for actually the person who is most at risk becomes like a needle in a haystack. Yeah. So that's the flip side of early detection. So we have to really balance that and really uh, ensure that we're not overburdening uh, the healthcare system just because we have a tool for early detection. Mm. Yeah. And it's a healthcare system that is already overburdened, exactly. right? Yeah. So it should facilitate and optimise the resources mm-hmm. and not really uh, the other way around. Yeah. All right. And would you have a final takeaway message for our listeners when it comes to um, oral cancer? Uh, I think uh, what um, the message would be is like uh, understand the signs and symptoms and look out for changes in your mouth. And there are risk habits uh, associated with the disease, mm-hmm. such as smoking, excessive alcohol, drinking, and also bitter quit chewing. And um, basically, if you can eliminate the risk factors, then your risk uh, comes down significantly. Yeah. All right. Thank you so much for joining me today, Prof. Thank you. Thank you, Suen. I've been speaking to Professor Dr. Cheong Sok Ching, Deputy Chief Scientific Officer with Cancer Research Malaysia, about how they are attempting to tackle oral cancer with the development of their own Mimosa app for early diagnosis and for follow-ups, as well as some updates on what's happening with their research into an oral cancer vaccine. I'm Lim Suen, and this has been Health & Living, BFM 89.9. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, the business station. 
For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.